That's it then. Awesome. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another Dawncast uh, with me, Di Lee. And uh, this afternoon we've got Ben Ho, a good friend that I have connected in recent times through our Southwest Entrepreneur Hub. And Ben is the co-founder of a initiative, a program called Yes Loyal. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I think the first thing I do want to say is I've co-founded Yes Loyal with my brother, mm. Hogan Ho, and it's really given us a great opportunity to work together. And through that, through Yes Loyal, I think one of the blessings is the opportunity to have met you, Di. I know. Now tell us and tell the audience, what is Yes Loyal? Okay, so Yes Loyal, we're focused on small business and small business growth. And I think what we saw over the years is that a business is about getting and keeping customers. But often business is so hard that a lot of business just think about the get bit and forget about the get and keep bit. So we're very focused on those two components because if you set out from the very onset to get and keep, then you'll grow a very powerful, sustainable business. So that's, that's our focus, to help small business owners. So tell us, how did you um, come about to come up with that, um, the business idea mm. with your brother? W- what made you Yeah, so we went through, so I flew to London my brother lived in London previously, and we spent about a month thinking about what to do. And we together worked yeah, together. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did, and we got plenty of pictures of us passed out on the, the couch, and we went through a lot of iterations and ideas. And I think one day we were sitting in a food court in in London, and there were many many stalls. And I said to Hogan, "Oh." there's so many interactions between customers and businesses, but I don't see a lot of smiles. And wouldn't you think that if there was more smiles and more happy moments happening between business, customer, customer, business, it would be better for the business and the customer and be linked to success. So that's sort of how we got the slogan or tagline, creating happy customers as well, because it's about creating more of these happy moments. But it just sort of... I don't know, through a collection of ideas, that's the one we landed on. And then we've probably spent twice as long trying to come up with the actual business name and logo after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think most business owners know that process. Yes, we do know yeah, that process. Yeah. You kind of, you know, go along the way, you know, <laughs> set up your business and running and then something will eventually, you know, emerge out of that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, going back to what you've said about, um, uh, cre- uh, you know, there businesses are constantly going out chasing for customers. Mm. So that's been always the focus, isn't it? It's about how to ensure that you 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 know um, get more customers on board, get more numbers, just mm-hmm. get get that numbers growing. Um, but the idea of keeping customers happy, genuine would you call it genuinely happy? Or you you know there are some slogans that we say, oh you know keep keep customer satisfied, yeah. you know satisfy your customers. Um, but y- you know I feel that with what you are creating is more of a about that genuine genuineness of connection and of really g- genuine retention of a happy, genuinely cus- customer. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the first thing in any relationship, you can't be happy 100% of the time. But what happens over time between relationships between ourselves, our partners and our business customers is that through doing the right things over and over again, when something inevitably bad happens, 
they give you that chance because you've built that connection with them over time. And the biggest, I guess, mistake I see business owners, um, the, the biggest mistake they often interpret that people that keep coming back are actually loyal customers when in fact they're coming back due to convenience and different things and as soon as something bad happens, they'll go somewhere else or someone presents something more compelling, they'll go somewhere else. But if you actually have true loyalty, those customers will actually stick with you. They'll want to see you win over time. And the thing is, the more loyal customers you have, it has this net effect on the rest of the customers as well. So it's, it's a very powerful thing. And we, we are moving more from, hey, do it yourself to really helping someone come up with a plan and executing on that plan. And often that leads to a loyalty program that we help a business jump into. I mean, loyalty is really based on the brand, isn't it? I mean, is it? A, do you think it's based on a customer's experience with your brand mm-hmm. and the experience of the service they receive or the interactions they receive? Uh, building that, um, that it, therefore, would you say that ha- loyal customers rely very much on having a very good brand as well? I would say it's every single touch point that the customer has with your business. So think about every touch point from your website, to your emails, to your staff, to the business owner, to how your business is actually presented, to what people say online about your business through reviews. You're sitting at a dinner table. What do people who go to your business now say to their family and friends? So it actually is a a collection of all those things that build someone's feeling or loyalty because it's a it's an emotional thing about a brand so that's why it actually can be quite overwhelming when you try to form a plan around loyalty because it's not any single thing but largely it's it's about recognizing loyalty and telling people that hey i know you're loyal i care and i'd actually like to recognize or reward you for that and often the the recognition is, is simply enough it's it's not about the loyalty programs that you see from big businesses where it has to be you earn points or you earn this and you get that a lot of loyal people uh, loyal customers are simply just happy doing what they're doing for nothing in return they're, they're just willing to give because that loyalty is built up over time so it's more than the brand it's it's every everything yeah so what fuels you or what make you know really what really drives you mm. in this space Ben? Yeah, well I think overall what drives me is I like to see businesses win and make progress. But actually recently uh, I, I would say that the dictionary is one of my favorite books actually. Gosh. <laughs> yeah, pretty boring. But often often we use words. And those words we use quite freely, but we don't know the meaning behind them. And I looked up a word recently, and the word was flourish. And flourish is about a human being able to improve themselves over time through good times and through life struggles. And I would say that what drives and fuels me is my own personal ability to flourish and want to flourish. And also everyone that I touch, from small business owners to my family to my friends, the more I see that flourish happen, the more I'm fueled by it. And it's an endless fuel, actually, because it doesn't need to be me progressing or winning and flourishing. 
just those around me. If I see that happening, it just it just drives me to to try to spread that even more. So that's the that's the fuel. It, along the way, um, what have been some of the challenges in setting up Yes Loyal? Like, um, when did you conceive it, and where it is today? What have been some of the challenges? Yeah, so I guess some of the challenges were around. Well, we're bootstrapped, yes, loyal. So there were challenges around capital and reallocating personal assets to fund and fuel the business. So there's challenges around that. There were challenges around the fact that there was a new dynamic relationship at play with my brother. There's one thing, you, you take a lifetime working out how to be good brothers, good <laughs> siblings. Yes. And uh, I respected and he respected me for the achievements we had in the corporate world. But this is the first time you've got two human beings coming together to work. And just because you've made it work as brothers doesn't mean that you totally 100% gel as business partners. partners. And so that was one of the, I guess, the hurdles and, and the obstacles as well. And, you know, I guess the other thing as well is you've got, especially when you're bootstrapping uh, a business or a venture, is you are taking money from uh, personal funds and you've got a partner to think about and you've got your children to think about and your family. And and I would say that if it wasn't for a very understanding wife, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing because you are drawing on your personal money. Yeah, yeah and so, I mean, that's 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 the ch- a challenge, drawing mm. in your own personal. I mean, how often do small businesses, from your experience, really do that like how, I mean how often I mean they do do that but how often is it you know like kind of it personally invest in it uh, in order to to, to to see what you believe grow yeah I, I think I see it very often I think when we come up with an idea we come up with a business and we're trying to make it work every business owner I've met sees it as their baby and it's very hard to divorce your baby from being hey maybe this isn't going to go anywhere. Maybe I just need to cut my losses now. There's too many who will just keep throwing money, money at um, yeah, more money at, at when they shouldn't, uh, and they just can't disconnect. And and you know it happens a lot. Yeah. So do you self have given yourself a timeline in terms of um, how this is going to pl- work out for you and for Hogan and for you, both your families? Obviously, Hogan uh, has also his family to mm-hmm. to look after as well. Uh, I can guess in timelines, we think about in terms of different milestones that we need to achieve. And if we don't achieve those milestones in the set time to really sit down and reevaluate everything and reevaluate the business, reevaluate the, the runway and the finances and the team that we have and whether or not there's a gap in knowledge. or So we're constantly reviewing. And I wouldn't say that we've said hey if this doesn't work in x months or x years let's stop it's more a case of let's make sure we continually talk about it and review it like for example any any of us that made a plan in december last year would not have factored in covid absolutely so you just got to be dynamic yeah uh, i mean working with um your brother as you you mentioned before um if anybody have seen, have Ben is a very active uh, contributor on our Southwest Entrepreneur Hub on Facebook. He's just amazing. He daily posts inspirational 
post of the things that he does, going for walks in the early morning. Um, it, it takes, I think, I haven't met many like yourself. Uh, I call myself a social entrepreneur as well. And I think I, people used to say that I'm so busy and they, you know, I don't stop. Um, and I, you know, often people think I'm mad and crazy for doing the things that I do. Mm. Until Ben, ben came along. <laughs> I thought, oh, great, there's another crazy person. Crazier than me. Um, uh, why, do you, why do you do it? What, why do you do what you do? Um, yeah, I, I feel you're so passionate about it, but I just would like to, you know, not just about the business, but there must be something makes you do what you do with with so much in energy and enthusiasm too mm. uh, I'm just trying to think through it myself because my first response and go to a lot of the time is to talk about my kids but I was like this before the kids yeah so I guess I've always had something I felt like I needed to prove because over the years people told me you can't do this you can't do that and here's your limit and you, you're never going to get beyond this this point, and I just I guess that that was fuel for me to you know, prove myself right and prove them wrong, and I guess now it's less about me and more about I see people who were the old version of me in personal life or in business, and I think at our age we want to contribute and give back and bring people along that same journey that we've been on, and and that really fuels me and yeah I think it's just part of it's in the the DNA and the upbringing um, yeah I was going to ask do you think it's the upbringing has our family backgrounds our you know the way we were raised and where we come from mm. uh, influence the way our work ethics yeah oh, and absolutely your, and your work ethics yeah yeah so my mum and dad came here uh, when I was a year and a bit yeah, so in the 1980s. And I'd say I'm also influenced by my, my wife largely. Uh, she came here in 84. And so we're first, I think we call it first generation here. So literally arrived with nothing and we saw our parents work very hard. And I think that that just is normal. Working hard is normal. Not working hard is, is, is the thing that kind of puzzles me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm very serious about work, but funnily enough, I'm not very serious about the outcome. If I feel like I've put everything into something and it didn't work, then I won't beat myself up if I've done everything that I can. I will just move on to the next thing or the next project. So I'm serious about the work, but less serious about the outcome mm. if I know I've done everything I can to make it work. So what happens when people do that? I mean, uh, as you were saying, mm. I'm thinking, you know, sometimes you put, 150% mm. into something um, and you could invest money, mm. invest time and I think you've got an, ex an example to give, perhaps you can share, mm. but then it doesn't work in the end. So what do you do then or how do you then, wh what do you tell yourself? Mm, well, because you, you, yeah, and give us. Yeah, well, I, the first thing I tell myself is that even though I put so much time into work and, and ventures that it's not my everything there is more to life than just work and our ventures i think it's a very large part of life and uh, i love my acronyms anyone who's who's ever 
seen any of the videos. There's one that I came across recently and I think it really gives a very balanced picture of life and I can't take credit. It's, it's by a um, psychology professor, but it's something that's used in the military and also in Australian schools for teachers. And the model is called PERMA. And the way to think through PERMA is it really divides, I guess, well-being and happiness into five different categories. So the first one is positive emotions. So this is when you feel happy. This is when you feel delighted. It's, it's all those really positive feelings. Yeah. The second one is engagement. So when you look at life, think of the things that – have you heard of the word flow? Yes, I'm flow. always in the flow. Yeah. So for people who don't know flow, flow is when you do a certain activity and you look back and go, no way has it been three hours or four hours. That felt like 15 minutes. And that is flow. That's in engagement. So you've got that aspect. And then the R is actually uh, relationships. And so it's about the people that you surround yourself with and those relationships and how to improve it. And sometimes I think you need to edit your relationships. There mm. are certain people you need to let go and there's other people you need to bring into your life. And I think how you feel at the moment is I know you've brought people into your life that have radically changed your view and your tra tra trajectory. Oh, right? absolutely. I yeah. mean, I had this post this morning, I don't know if you saw, but I said um, it's, it's the Epitectus tectus quote pronounce his name correctly uh, one of the sage of uh, stoicism whereby you know surround yourself with people who will uplift you yeah i love that yeah 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 so yeah so it, it's that's a huge part then i'll quickly go through the next m. two m is is meaning and purpose so this is where if you're part of things which are bigger than yourself it really adds to your well-being and then finally a is for achievements so when you set goals that are just outside of reach and you achieve those things then it's very positive and very good for your well-being now if you look at those things and then you look at business business not working doesn't affect all of those things so when you have balance across those things then it doesn't have a huge impact to your total well-being if if your venture or my venture failed we would still have our relationships yep. you know we would still have things that give us flow Meaning engagement yeah we, we are part of other things as well so those are the things that lead to well-being and happiness and you can just google and look up perma and it's a model where you can look at those different areas and i i think across those different areas and see how i can celebrate where i'm doing really well and in the other areas that I need to lift i lift those and i wouldn't say it makes you invincible mm. but really you're still going to have things in life that pull you down but you know, this really the more of, of perma that you have it allow you to bounce back yeah so do you think um so it's a basically do you suggest then for businesses or startups or people on that journey as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur or or small business that they should then think about perma and and have that built into into I suppose their DNA so that that way as yeah, they progress. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, business owners should think about it for themselves personally, their own PERMA. They should think about it in terms of their staff. So how the schools use it is PERMA is applied to 
for the teachers. It's not for the students even. It's for the teachers to make sure the teachers have this general well-being. And then in the military, it's used for people who have come back from literally a war and they're trying to deal with things like you know, post-traumatic stress. So, but I can also see how you can use that to build on your customer relationships. So, for example, the, the P would be what positive emotions are you creating for customers when they interact with you? When they dine, for example, if it's a restaurant, does it feel like flow? Are they sitting there with their friends eating and chatting and the next minute you're tapping them on the shoulder and say, actually, uh, <laughs> we're closing now, right? The relationship you have with your customer. You know, is your organisation um, doing something meaningful that customers are backing? You, know, you see a lot of organisations, you know, you spend a dollar here and we give 10 cents to charity or, you know, we're a business that's supporting other businesses. There's a bigger cause when you, when you, you know, interact with us. And then finally... You know, in terms of achievements, you know, bringing customers into celebrating the achievements in your business as well. You know, we're one year old, we're 10 year old, we've achieved this. So if you look across that, they're all those things and those touch points that I, that I mentioned that build that loyalty and that loyal base for you that is good for business. Yeah, so 100%. So where is, yes, loyal at the moment? Uh, at what stage of your journey mm. are you at? Yeah, so where we're at at the moment is quite a while ago we validated the the concept and the fact that people see value in what we do. And COVID, I'm still trying to work out whether it was a good or a bad thing for us. I think it's good. It's, 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 <laughs> it's good, I think, overall. We were due to launch before COVID uh, and then we actually had to go back to the drawing board and redesign quite a lot of things to deal with I guess the new social distancing and everything yeah, like that yeah that's a challenge isn't it? it it's tough it's tough but I guess where we are now is the and I know and I'm quite open just nearly 100% of the time is that my my business model is it when I work with a customer we don't actually break even on any customer that we bring on board until a year after they've come on board because we we break down I guess, the, the charging model with the customer into bite-sized bits monthly. So I guess my biggest challenge at the moment is that when I work with a new customer, if they actually don't make it through COVID, uh, and there's a lot that are struggling, so if they don't make it to three, six, nine months, I'll actually be in a negative position with that customer because I, I invest first before I get payback. So if they don't last it past 12 months, wow. I will end up at the end of 12 months backwards not forwards so that's a huge risk it, it is i guess so that's where i'm in the business we, we are at the business at the moment uh, we we need to be uh not only are people very selective about who they work with right so look at yes loyal look at other people that are doing things that are, are possibly similar you're selecting us you know we're also selecting them um but i think that you know once we come together in a marriage we, we can make it work yeah, but I think what helps is we generally only deal with businesses that their online reputation is four stars or above out of a five-star mm-hmm. rating because I'm then working with people that already care enough about customers that customers are rating them four or five and they're the people who get it. They, they understand, okay, I, we need more of these people. Yeah. So, ha- so basically if you're not a four-star or a five-star that's uh, step one. Work yeah. on we'll work on that. Together. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, but you're interested 
uh, Ben can help you go up to the four star and five star. Is that right? Before, yeah, right. before you they, before they can become part of the program. That's yeah. That's that's pretty much what we do. So we we look at the business, uh, get a good snapshot of where things are at, and what we typically say is until you get to that four or five star level, don't work work on you know all the things to do with loyalty. There are other more fundamental things that need to be worked on first. So it becomes an overall plan, but you don't really deploy anything around loyalty specifically until a little bit later down the track. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, how do you know if they're four-star or five-star on online? Yeah, well, the first, first places we turn to is if they've got a Facebook page, uh. Uh, like they're listed on Google, or if they're some type of food, then you can look at the ratings on the, the food platforms like Uber Eats and et cetera, et cetera, they all have ratings. Yep. Yeah. And then failing all that, I'll meet with the business owner and you can tell from what they talk about and how they talk, whether or not they're just purely focused on profit or whether they're focused on really delivering something really great to their audience and you don't need all of those stars to, to work out what a business is focused on and how they want to build the business. If, if it's all about customer this, customer that, and we're trying to do this to make it better for these people and those people, you, you get a feel for it. Mm. Yeah. Have there been major hurdles? Mm. Yeah, I guess there's, there's been... Well, I don't know, because I, I do two things. One is I don't really... Even though I love the dictionary, I, yeah. I don't. I don't really think of things in terms of hurdles. I think of them in terms of here's a situation I don't know how to deal with, and I would say that in terms of hurdles, I learn my way out of them. So, what do I need to know to navigate this particular thing that is is there? Mm. How do I get around it? How do I get past it? How do I make it a, a non-issue? So I would say that in terms of hurdles, I don't really think about it that way. Um, and if I do have what someone would typically call a hurdle, my way through it is to learn. So forever learning from other people because the way I feel is that the planet's been here a long time. There's nearly 8 billion people on the planet. I am not so unique that no one else has faced this and no one else has overcome this. There are people there that I can learn from and talk to and get some help. Yeah. So then you do you think, just listening to you, I'm thinking, um, is your advice, one of your you know, tips or advice for business owners or people kind of setting up their own business or starting out or working in it, is that they must look for solutions and, and, and learn through that, you know, you don't want to call a hurdle, but that challenge perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I would say that you're not alone and... You need to believe because it's true that there are plenty of people that are wanting to help and actually expecting nothing in return. And it's one of the things I found about uh, Sway, the, the, the group that you helped found, Southwest uh, Entrepreneurial Southwest Hub. Entrepreneurial Hub yeah. on Facebook. There are plenty of people there. Whenever someone posts about something they're trying to do or something that they're facing, there are plenty of people coming from a place of experience, wanting to help, and there is no expectation of anything coming back. 
So I think my tip or advice is that there are people like that out there. Maybe you do need to search for them, but when you find them, suddenly you're not alone in the problem and then you have someone who's navigated through that to actually provide some counselling or help or coaching or mentorship, whatever it may look like. Uh, I think a lot of people either too scared to ask or don't think people out there or maybe sometimes, you know, we're all a little bit proud sometimes yes. and don't, but, you know, what harm can come from asking for a little bit of help? I, I think you're one of the most, like I said, I, I go, I, I just want to reiterate again, Ben Ho has been one of the most um, giving and active members of the Southwest Entrepreneurial Hub community, community and giving advice. And, and I think we're seeing through your through what you're giving there, advice and tips, you've encouraged others to come out. Because I don't know if you find this, but within our the many of the refugees or migrant communities in Southwest Sydney, I feel that they're kind of doing business but kind of behind a, a wall. You know, they're kind of observing, but they're not really out there and mm. doing what you do, you know, going out there, talking, sharing, giving people's tips and, you know, finding people to, to connect people and collaborate with people. So you're doing that and um, I feel that more more people should have the same approach, but they don't. Yeah, I, w- I would say that there are things that happen behind the scenes. Uh, so I have a lot of conversations that are not made public. I have a lot of people reach into me to help me uh, or I help them and it's not made public. So I think that there's the bit that everyone sees, but then there's also this this other whole area of people helping each other. And I think that it does help to surface more of that so people are more open to giving and receiving help. And I think that, um, you know, often people see teachings or learnings packaged in such a professional way that they feel like, oh, if I don't have a really nice microphone or a very nice camera or if I don't have the best grammar or spelling, then people may laugh at me or I I can't offer this advice. And one of the reasons why my videos take on this walk and talk, just woke up uh, type format is to sort of break down some of that barrier. 6 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) And then that's why people kind of like, okay, look at him. (laughs) Look at him. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I mean, have there been moments that you've been there's been rejection to say no we don't think your idea is you know doesn't sit with us or no it's not a great idea Mm. and how did you deal with those moments yeah so i guess i'm the type of guy that people communicate to me or say things like that to me and in the moment i often don't say anything I, i let things process overnight yeah and the result of my processing a lot of the time is that the comments from other people are 99% of the time coming from a good place now you've got to remember that everyone has a different view and map of the world and their map of the world is telling them that the things that we are doing is not the thing you go to do it's risky and it's not safe and you could lose money and and so when they come to us with no's or they come to us with you shouldn't do that, it's actually, if you put yourself into their shoes, it's coming from a good place. So I guess how I handle that is knowing that, how do I deal with the situation to 
I guess, not put someone who's actually got your best interests at heart into like a, a bad position and p- potentially damage the relationship. And, you know, I guess often it's just saying, hey, look, um, my, my go-to is, look, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, uh, but it's something I want to do and, yeah, I'm still going <laughs> to do it. <laughs> so you kind of don't take no for an answer kind of thing? Uh, well, I would say that I do two things with no's. Um, so I think a, a, I think a lot of people actually, or a lot of people I talk to have done some form of um, NLP. Oh, yes, neuro-linguistic programming. programming. Yeah. Give give people, give the audience a little bit about what that that is about. Yeah, so it's it's very much about, um, well, my definition, this is going to be wrong. (laughs) My definition is it's it's a lot about the mind. It's a lot about the words we choose to use, both externally and within ourselves. And it's a way to, it's got the word program in it, so it's a way to sort of program ourselves. And... Whenever someone says no to me, I've learned one technique. So when someone says no to me, I call it a um, brain stain. Okay. Yeah, so it actually sticks in my head and it bothers me. So wow. even if I don't agree with someone, it sticks there occupying space and it's like a stain. Yes, how did you get rid yeah. of the stain? And so <laughs> I, I use a particular uh, technique <laughs> from NLP to, <laughs> to wash it out Yeah. yeah and to remove it. Mm. And... So then it's, it doesn't serve as a blockage. Yeah. Yeah. The technique itself probably will take five, ten minutes to explain, but uh, yeah, maybe in the show notes or something we can we can yeah. put a link to it. But that's often how I deal with, with no's. Firstly, I don't really take them to heart, but sometimes they leave a stain and it affects me and I, I think about stuff like that too long. So then I, I use a particular technique to get rid of it wow there yeah. you go so we'll make sure you, you tune in when we broadcast this so that you can actually uh get the tips on how to remove the stain <laughs> in your brain um so did, did um in your life have you had mentors or coaches to help you through um your, your or help you on your journey yeah um so once again i, I use the dictionary quite often <laughs> And I have looked up... Dictionary man. Dictionary man. (laughs) A guy who relies on the dictionary (laughs) man. Yeah, so I would say that I've had a lot of... um, First, because I've been a manager in corporate and there were coaching programs and mentorship programs and I'm I'm actually not really that well educated. Uh, So that's why I need the dictionary. But I didn't know the difference between coaching and mentoring. Mentoring. Yeah. And so for, for people like me, and you can admit it because I'm admitting it first, is coaching is very much looking at what you're doing right now and trying to get you to perform better at your current job or task. And mentoring has a more holistic approach to how can this help you over or beyond what you're doing now, so like a, a longer-term view. And so I guess over the years, uh, I spent about 10, 15 years in sort of corporate slash big company roles and I had a lot of coaching because people wanted me to really excel at what I was doing in the role but I had very few mentors because people didn't think past that personal performance within the the role that I was in Mm. and so I guess coaches came from managers that I had I had had plenty of managers and then mentoring I looked for in the old days, and, and I don't want to talk about my age, but... Uh, <laughs> We're very young. Pre-internet. <laughs> <laughs> pre-internet would be 
my mentors came out of books in libraries. I spent a lot of time in the library. And now I spend a lot of time uh, with all the amazing resources that are available online through YouTube or just Google and articles and things like that. And so I, found, I find what I would normally get from a mentor in terms of like holistically what I need from all the resources is just available to everyone right now. So, yeah. And how important do those, the, the coaches and the mentors, do you think, um, how important are they? What role do they play in our lives, in, in, in our journey, you know, in, in what we do? Yeah, I think very important. Um, very, you get a lot of uh, inspiration from mentors. You get often a lot of blueprints of people who are trying to achieve what we're trying to achieve. Um, it's, it's invaluable. It's, it's just amazing. Like, even if you go beyond what's available for free and you go spend the 25 30 $35 on an audio book or, or book, you're in the brains of so many successful people for that amount of money. And even if you take away one thing, it's, it's amazing. You know, people are blowing the same amount in a Netflix subscription or two or three beers at the pub when they could be spending the same on themselves and learning and development. And it's so important if you are trying to achieve something, then you've got access to all the knowledge in the world pretty much. Yeah, very important. Um, you already said that you don't, uh, you're not the person who see hurdles. You, you, it's more about a learning, a mm -hmm. lesson. Would you then have experienced any dark moments in, in your journey in work and in particular in your own you know, setting up Yes Loyal? Mm. Well, actually, it probably came pre-Yes Loyal. So I had a company before Yes Loyal, before I did the something with my brother. And it was in 2014 when I left corporate. Yeah, so I was earning a good money in corporate. And I thought that, hey, I'll quit. I'll jump into my own small business and all my problems would be solved. And it was actually for the first year or two... I just broke even and I guess the dark moment that came to me was that my 10 to 15 years of corporate skills were actually not directly transferable into small business. Wow. And so I, I didn't come to that realisation until, <laughs> until I still had the living costs of corporate life and trying to deal with that uh, and I've been very open to everyone that it took one to two years before I was able to literally reprogram myself learn new things, retrain myself, totally different approach before things started firing. And I talk about it a lot. In fact, whenever I see someone I know on LinkedIn making the transition from corporate to their own business, I'll reach out and I'll say, hey, look, if it's up to you, but it took me a year or two to work some stuff out and I think I can shortcut that for you. And so let's have a chat, let's have a coffee. I think it will shave off like six months towards your profitability. So that was actually pretty dark in the sense that I was at some times thinking, should I go back? You know, am I able to make this work? Did I do the wrong thing? And I don't often regret decisions, but, you know, that was a pretty big one. Um, and then the only other, but I learned my way through that. It was through, you know, learning how to approach it. And then the other one is um, I had a, a near-death experience in terms of like a major car accident where um, someone ran a red light and hit me. 
And it was one of those accidents where everyone comes. The ambulance comes and the police come and the tow trucks come and all the traffic stop. And my son was in the car as well. But it left me with um, uh, chronic pain. Oh. Yeah. And so what I learned from that is how do I carry on with life with chronic pain still but without having to take the, the drugs because the drugs would n- uh, numb oh. numb you. Well, I, I call it like yeah. they, they make me numb and make me yeah, dumb. Numb, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so to, as, to as learn techniques. As we're talking, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm, I've, got, I'm, I've got chronic pain. So I'm sitting here pushing my palm against the table because I'm in pain. But that's amazing. We've shared something in common there, Ben, that we've got <laughs> chronic pain, which is yeah. great. Mine is obviously from chemo. So I had um, chemo, but yeah, go on. So what happened there with that accident? What what did it make you realize? Yeah, well, I think um, different moments in our life, we get something like that that reminds us that life is short, and sometimes it's a near-death experience. Sometimes it's someone that we really value in our lives passing away, and you know, some of us in the Sway Group anyway have shared that moment recently. Yeah, and it makes you reassess your priorities. And it makes you accelerate finding your purpose and your why and what you want to do. And I, I actually had a lot of people come to me and say, after the accident, they said, you could, you could make a mint from this uh, accident. And I said to them, no, no, actually, this accident is one of the best things to ever happen to me. One, I didn't die. Yeah, that's already true. great. But then it it forced me to reassess everything. Absolutely reassess everything. And I think that if it happened any later, then I wouldn't be enjoying as many years of the benefits of that reassessment of, of just life generally. Mm. So, like once again, so I, I never see hurdles as hurdles or dark moments as, as dark moments. But you know, I think everyone has um like different stories um and a lot of them a lot of them predate yes loyal and they predate my previous businesses and um yeah but that obviously while it predates those moments those milestones Mm. um i have no doubt wouldn't you say that it's it influenced what you're trying to do now with Yes Loyal, mm. like in terms of your thinking, in terms of your approach, in terms of how you are uh, planning Yes Loyal out and so committed to it, um, don't you think that those experiences in the past, while my, while it's not directly, mm. Yes Loyal is, wasn't directly born out of it, mm. uh, those experiences in the past actually influenced the way that you now operate? Yeah, absolutely. It, it I can look at the different things that we're doing together with my brother now and certain decisions, if I really map the decision to a historic moment in the past, I would be able to find it. So for example, my core strength is to work with big business because I came from big business. I can talk big business talk full of jargon yeah. and things we I don't even understand. <laughs> but uh, we chose small business because my parents had a small business that had more struggles than success. And I tell people that as a teenager, I couldn't help them then, but I can help small business now. And so we choose small business now because of that past, the fact that the parents owned the business that wasn't successful and we couldn't help them, we want to help 
mm. those businesses now. So that that's that decision. But I think where the past plays a huge part is those experiences have led me to be able to, I guess, have not sympathy but empathy for small businesses. It's left me with um, life lessons and skills that we can apply and, and really help people. Um, you know, absolutely. I think every single moment influences the the future. I mean, eighty percent of Australia's economy is um, on the back of small business. Yeah, eighty percent, or probably more. Yeah, you know, and um, and so where to now for you with Yes Loyal? What's where? Where is it going? What, what's happening there? Yeah, so I guess the main focus for me now is the the team has grown. It's grown so quickly. It's grown to 12 people, including myself. Wow. And so I think that when you're an owner-operator, you you don't need to communicate outside of yourself. You just go do what you do. And I think you'll probably experience this as well. Once there's more people involved, everyone needs to be on the same page in terms of you know what we're setting out to do and what's everyone's part. And I would say that I'm just so used to being independent mm. and doing things that m- myself that I think I, my team trusts me that, hey, if Ben's out doing that today, it, it contributes somehow, but I'm not sure how, but I, I know he's not out doing things just for the sake of doing things. And I just got to remember that the same effort I put into external communication, I've got to put internally within the organisation as well. So we have that scale. Uh, really for us at the moment, it's, it's spreading the word to, to businesses that, you know, we believe very strongly that if you set out only to get customers, it, it's not sustainable. You need to set out from day one to get and keep, which often the nuance is very slight, but the end result to the customer is, oh, they, they want me here and they want me to keep coming back. And that makes a huge difference. Uh, I was at dinner last night to... Um, jumbo seafood restaurant that opened in Mounties and the business owner was already talking about um, the improvements that he would make to some of the dishes that we had when we came back next Right. and one I walked away knowing that he wanted me back and the other thing I knew that he was taking my feedback and actually implementing that and to myself yeah I've got to come back and see what what those changes taste like yeah, and if more businesses treated customers in conversations and just intent about the next transaction, then it, it feels less like a, and, and some people are going to hate me for, for creating this connection, but, you know, a lot of businesses go out with sort of this one-night stand approach. Yep. Yeah, and you're a customer, you're a customer, I'm just going to move on versus like this is long-term, you know, I'm not just thinking about, now I'm thinking about like the overall relationship with you. Over 10, time. 20 years time. Exactly. And I, I think I think people nowadays are so um, the consumeristic approach and the disposable approach. Uh, it, it uh, I think it re- affects also our relationship approach in mm-hmm. terms of oh well if you're not there then I'll you know move on to another person. But I think I think um, appreciating that long term loyalty um, commitment mm. coming back. But ensuring, as you said, your catchphrase is creating happy customers, yep. not just retaining them, but ensure that, ensuring that you're retaining them and keeping them happy. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So um, anyway, thank you so much for thank your you time, so Ben Ho. So Ben Ho there from Yes Loyal and I'm Daily from Dawncast. So we've just heard about, you know, understanding all the different touch points that customers will, um, you know, touched our business or our business touched the customers so there are many touch points according to ben uh and you know check out uh yes loyal and uh and he's on southwest entrepreneur hub and you've got your website as well is that right yep yesloyal.com yesloyal.com and if you are interested in a yes uh in a, in a loyalty program that's very specifically uh unique to yours i'm sure ben will be happy yeah, I, I think mainly it's it's. I don't often talk about the loyalty program. I, I guess if you're you're interested in growing your business in a way that puts the customer first, then we should have a chat. There you go. Have a chat with Ben. So that's it from me. If you like the story, or if you've got some great ideas, or somebody doing some great social impact work, let us know. Subscribe, uh, click the bell button below and subscribe to Dawncast. And I'm Di Lee and see you next time. Bye. You better turn up. You better be there when I shake. Watch me rocking if I can't stop.